Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of Breast Cancer Conversations. If you're just joining us, you know that we are in this kind of week-long process of putting out amazing content in short little snippets based on key takeaways that we as patient advocates have left the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium Conference with. So if you're interested, the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium is one of the largest conferences in the world, I want to say, for breast cancer. It's when almost like 10,000 oncologists from all over the world descend onto San Antonio, Texas, and for five days share presentations and information on clinical trials, the latest research, and so much more. There's also sessions that happen concurrently. So for me, I know I'm always feeling like I'm being pulled in multiple directions because everything sounds so amazing. I want to attend There's also poster sessions, which are basically these like life-size posters of researchers presenting their studies, and the researchers are there to talk about their poster. So you could really walk up to them, ask questions, talk to them about their research, introduce yourself, talk about what's most important to you and why this research matters. It is really just such an exciting time. So a little bit ago on our NBC webinar series, we actually did a hour-long session with key members of our NBC community who attended the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium and asked them what were some of their key takeaways. So we are taking this hour-long session and dissecting it into little bite-sized pieces to make it less overwhelming for our listeners because if you have attended the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, you know it can be incredibly overwhelming. But what we're trying to do is encourage all of you who are listening, all of you patient advocates, all of you who would just like this opportunity to connect with others who have been diagnosed with breast cancer and to also meet with incredible thought leaders in the field of breast oncology, this is the place to come. And we want to encourage you to attend in 2024. It's always held in December and to the best of my knowledge, usually in San Antonio, hence the name San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. In this episode, Amy Breimer is going to be talking about what happens when your CDK46 inhibitor stops working. Before we dive in, I just want to remind everyone that today's episode is brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. If you're new to our podcast or our organization, hop on over to survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events, where you can see the rundown of all of our programs and services, ranging from meditation and Pilates and yoga to expressive writing, art therapy, our breast cancer book club, where we read books that have nothing to do with breast cancer, and of course, our NBC webinar series, where we produce live stream content every other Wednesday. So be sure to check out those programs and events. We hope to see you at a virtual program soon. So without further ado, welcome to the conversation. We're going to talk about what um, what are some options after progression on endocrine therapy and a CDK4-6 inhibitor. Um, so if those fail you or when they do, what, what, what do you do? And so just keep in mind, those are Ibrands, Cascali, and Versenio. Yeah, next slide. Thank you. Um, so the first thing you should do is get a biopsy um, to check for mutations. And this could be a liquid biopsy. 
So an example of a liquid biopsy would be Gardent. So um, where they're going to look at DNA from tumors that's floating around in your blood, and they'll look for specific mutations. So that's known as a liquid biopsy. A tissue biopsy would be where they go in with a needle or maybe go in during surgery to take an actual little piece of the tumor. Either way, you can look for mutations that are in your specific tumors. So that's number one. The next slide is going to look at, and there's a lot going on here, um, what, what then? So there are several mutations now that are indicated for treatments. So one, so we're going to start kind of on the left-hand side of the slide, if you can see those, is a PIK3CA mutation. Um, and so if you have this and you've had progression on a CDK4-6 inhibitor and in um, hormonal therapy, PICRE plus Fazlodex it would be a, a good drug. Additionally, there's a new drug that was just FDA approved in the last year called TrueCap. So TrueCap plus Fazlodex is another option. Um, if you have AKT or P10 mutations, TrueCap plus Fazlodex is also an option. Um, if you have an ESR, if you're cancer, I keep saying you, and it really should be your cancer, has an ESR1 mutation, then Orcerdo or or LSS drug, so um, would be an option. So you'll see there are, and we've just listed through three drugs that you have to, that your cancer has to have a mutation in for you to be eligible for. And that's why it's so important um, to look for those mutations with a liquid biopsy or a tissue biopsy. Now, if you don't have mutations, fine, this was me, uh, currently still me, um, there's options. So one of those would be Affinitor plus Fazlodex. Um, if you're on a first line uh, Ibrance, you might consider switching to Kiskali plus Fazlodex. Um, if there's slow or mild progression, maybe just, a, now progression's progression, it's always scary. I just want to throw that out there right now. Um, but if it's slow or there's not a lot, it may be worthwhile to um, do treatment beyond progression, kind of watch and wait and see what happens. Um, however, if there's aggressive progression, chemotherapy or antibody drug conjugates, which we'll talk a little bit more about, would probably be indicated. Again, right, we're not oncologists, but this was from a really great session on what are the options after um, like Ibrance for Seneocascali. Finally, um, if you have an inherited, sometimes, sometimes called a germline mutation, so these are ones you inherited from your parents um, and you could pass on to your children, um, in BRCA1-2 or a PAL mutation, a PARP inhibitor such as Linparza um, might be indicated. Now, of course, as Amy so rightly pointed out, um, all decisions are our own um, and in consultation with our oncologist, but ultimately our own. And it's really important to consider toxicities, right, of these drugs. They all have different toxicities um, and also any comorbidities that you might have. I just wanted to jump in and say that at this particular session, which was basically treatment decisions after CDK4-6 inhibitors, Dr. Stephanie Graff, who was the moderator of that session, literally said, I consider this area to be a mess. And so if that slide looked really complicated and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is a little crazy, um, realize that your doctors are also looking at this being something that isn't quite, nothing that ever, nothing is ever set in stone. But doctors like flowcharts and doctors like this is what I do first and this is what I do second and having some kind of, um, you know, being able to anticipate what might happen next. So I think this is an area where we're going to see a lot more 
research and a lot more information coming soon. So if you are at the cancer in your body, thank you for the reminder, Amy. It's not not you, it's the cancer in your body. Um, if the cancer in your body is hormone positive, HER2 negative, or potentially HER2 low, like I think that's kind of what we're talking about right now, um, which is the majority of people living with breast cancer, um, a lot more to come. So just wanted to say, if it feels a little overwhelming, Dr. Graf was basically said publicly multiple times that she felt like this is a little bit of overwhelming right now and, and a lot more to come. So just wanted to jump in and say that. That's such a great point. Thank you. Yeah, it is. There's a lot coming down. I feel like maybe every week we're seeing a new paper on like what you should do first, what you should do second and under what circumstances. So it really, there is no consensus. Um, so there, there's a lot of gray here. Thank you. Such a good point. Um, number two, always consider a clinical trial. Remember, clinical trials are not just a last resort. There are clinical trials available at all parts of your journey. Um, so that's that's a really great point, too. And thanks to Kelly Shanahan. She did a lot of these slides. All right. So moving on to Alphabet Soup and Melanie. Yes, Alphabet Soup will be released next. So please make sure you are subscribed to our podcast, Breast Cancer Conversations, to be notified every time a new episode drops. And we look forward to seeing you then. And thank you, everyone, for listening to our show. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast are from personal experiences and are not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always contact your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. Until next time, keep on thriving.